0: Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland, and I am one half of the founding Legal Geeks. With me today for a special podcast is Dr. Janina Scarlett. You know her from San Diego Comic-Con, all the books that she's published, and her outstanding blog. Dr. Scarlett, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's great to have you again. So for those who don't remember we talked about guardians of the galaxy and dipped into a little bit of captain america the winter soldier and now we're here to talk about jessica jones perhaps the feel-good netflix series of 2015 and uh just just awesome for the holidays uh janina what did you think of jessica jones
1: oh my gosh i love it i totally binged on it it's A TV show I just couldn't stop watching, and um, because I specialize in PTSD, to me, it was a show that really depicted this condition really well. So PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder, and it's something that people get, uh, or people can get, when they've been exposed to trauma. Not everyone develops this mental health disorder, about 20% of people that are exposed to trauma do. And essentially what this disorder is, um, is experiencing um, really intrusive symptoms such as nightmares, flashbacks, intrusive memories, um, as well as uh, pretty intense changes in one's mood, for example, aggression and anger, um, hypervigilance, um, so that refers to that increased startle response that Jessica has, and also avoidance of any kind of reminders of trauma um, which can can also include substance use. So for Jessica, she avoids her friends, and she also uh, drinks alcohol largely to forget what happened to her. Um, so when these symptoms persist for a period of one month or longer, then the individual would be diagnosed as having PTSD, and Jessica seems to meet the criteria for that.
0: In spades, yeah. I think she wore the same jeans throughout most of the series. Mm-hmm. And so, just not taking care of herself. Apartment is utterly disgusting. Just someone who went through something horrible and is having a tough time with recovering and and learning to live again. So, it's on that level, the series is difficult to watch. It's brilliant in how they handle everything and it's exceptionally well done. But, you know, there are parts of it that are uh, rough uh Absolutely. so now did you watch did you stay up to 1201 uh the night it it launched oh.
1: <laughs> I wanted to but I did not uh I waited a couple of days actually and then uh watched a whole bunch of them and um I did not watch all of them in one day but I really wanted to yeah I, I did was certainly hard to <laughs> to walk away
0: yeah, yeah I, I did it over a weekend, and so I did mm-hmm. stay up to 12.01 to watch the first one, and i was so impressed. Uh, I decided to make the next workday truly uncomfortable and watch the, the second episode as well. And it's, I mean, exceptionally well done. Well, let's, so, so we've understood a little bit about Jessica, and, and for those who want to recap, apparently she was with Kilgrave for about a month. Um, you know, kidnapped effectively while out playing superhero and rescuing someone who was getting mugged and went through a lot of horrific events against her will. Now, how would you prescribe, you know, any treatments uh, for her to to cope with her PTSD?
1: Uh, There are a number of uh, psychological interventions out there for people who've been through severe trauma like Jessica has. So one of them is called cognitive processing therapy. It tends to be really effective for trauma survivors. um, And it involves helping people um, change their thoughts. So for example, for Jessica, she um, blames herself for what happened. She blames herself for um, being forced to kill the woman that she, that Kilgrave told her to kill. Um, She blames herself for um, what happened to Hope's parents. So cognitive processing therapy would use logic in order to help the trauma survivor understand that what happened wasn't their fault, wasn't within their control, and also would help the survivor regain a sense of safety and control within their life as well uh, by using what's called Socratic questioning, so logic-based questions. Um, It also focuses on helping the trauma survivor uh, reconnect with their emotions rather than running away from them. Um, so for Jessica, someone who's really unwilling to experience the grief and the sadness that she's going through, I think something like that would be very effective.
0: Fascinating. Let's focus on hope, because hope goes through uh, similar Uh, events to just Jessica, including the restaurants that Kilgrave took Jessica to. He also took Hope to as well, um, making her model for him, uh, college student, student athlete, good student who abandons everything to go spend a month with him. Uh, We find her lying in bed in her own waste, and she was waiting a specific amount of time before she could move again because Kilgrave said so. How would you analyze and describe Hope's condition uh, because of Kilgrave?
1: Well, it's, once again, severe trauma and abuse. Uh, She almost looks like um, someone who's been tortured um, in the war or someone who's been tortured uh, by a kidnapper or in their childhood. Um, and people who've been um, subjected to that kind of trauma can take longer to recover uh, because it's continuous trauma. It's something that went on for a while. Uh, it wasn't a one day event. It's something that went on, as you said, for for a number of uh, uh, months. Possibly, we don't. I don't know if we know how long she was with him. Um, and so something like that would probably require more intense um, kind of counseling than for. People um, for other people. Um, so for her, uh, possibly like intensive kind of therapy, maybe even group counseling. Um, so if she was in a room full of other people that were kill graves, and um, everyone in that group was receiving um, structured cognitive processing therapy, for example, or another type of trauma-based intervention, then I think that would be really helpful because what happens a lot to trauma survivors is that they believe that they're alone, there's a lot of shame and guilt that comes up, but meeting other people that have experienced something similar can be really validating, can allow people to feel less alone and less um, ashamed of their experiences. And can allow them to uh, feel more comfortable in talking about what happened to them.
0: Now, they do develop a support group in the series for those who had been grave, but it seemed uh, that there was no one with a uh, you know degree, uh, you know, no doctor present for it. So it seemed more a support group in nature and, and less treatment and helping them cope with it. Uh, not right. that. Um, not that the support group wouldn't help with healing. It's just, it's just different.
1: Uh, Sure. And, and I think the fact that there was a support group is great because it provided a healthy and um, a judgment free outlet for the people that were killed brave to meet other, um, other survivors of this experience. Um, At the same time, I think it would have been more effective if it was at a structured place, a structured time and led by a mental health professional That could help individuals really process what happened, Um, but I'm glad that they had the support group because, in lieu of um, of structured group therapy, I think a support group can be a great alternative too.
0: Yeah, it's better than nothing, and so which is, you know, taking up alcoholism is not a treatment, and and so seeking help is is it was the right thing to do. Well. Let's pivot and talk about uh, Kilgrave's challenges that he had, uh, which was, and when you think of the Marvel villains, you know, you get Loki and Ronin and Ultron and uh, tech And, you know, their goal was all destroy the world, you know, just start a war, destroy the world. So they, you know, they are all pretty uniform, uh, you know, Big difference with uh, Kingpin, that with him, it's urban renewal and making lots of money. And and so he was you know, very different from, from the pattern that it set. Uh, Kilgrave is different from all of them combined uh, just because of what he wants, which seems to be affection and understanding, and it's you know, he's creepy about it. Uh, but we saw parts of his childhood where there were medical experiments upon him you know, committed on him by his parents. Uh, How do you think those experiences shaped him into what he became?
1: I think as a child, um, he probably felt out of control. Um, If we believe his parents' story, he had some kind of a rare disease, and that can be really traumatizing for children, too. And then on top of it, he had these really excruciating experiences that were done on him, um, feeling completely out of control, possibly unprotected, unsupported. Um, and he mentioned that his parents cared more about the experiments than about his feelings. It sounds like maybe there was no emotional comfort, which is what he really needed, being a scared little child undergoing through all that trauma and um, spinal taps and all the severe torture that he went through. And I think that many people with trauma like that seek to regain control, because to them, control means safety. And if they're not in control, then they're unsafe and they can get hurt again. So for him, once he gains this ability um, to use mind control, that's his way of keeping himself safe. Um, It it doesn't excuse his actions in any way. uh, But I think that what he ultimately seeks is uh, to be safe. So his way of controlling his environment, controlling the people around him, and in in a way also controlling Jessica is his way of protecting himself from physical and also emotional harm.
0: Yeah, and it's fascinating to look at just thinking of child development. So you have a child who is deathly ill, who then goes through horrible medical procedures to save him, and then still as a child has the ability to say whatever you know he wants so he can get it. And when you think of a kid throwing a tantrum of I want candy or a specific toy or whatever and being able to get it instantly or to order his mother to take a iron to her face, I mean that's just you know terrifying because how do you raise someone who can get whatever they want whenever they want. It's, uh, it's an it issue. It is
1: terrifying. It is terrifying because ultimately the message that he received is that there is no right or wrong and he can get anything he wants immediately. In some ways certain levels of frustration of um, learning uh, about vulnerability, learning that we don't always get what we want and learning to self soothe is a very important part of development. When we um, don't succeed in something, let's say when we don't get the grade that we want, if we get the appropriate kind of soothing from our family, and then we might ultimately learn how to self in the future when we also have some kind of a struggle. But because Kilgrave, or Kevin, as he was told when he was little, never learned to do that because he would always just immediately get what he wanted, um, he never learned how to process Rejection and heart, heartache, and, and any kind of heartbreak. So, for him, um, he's absolutely unwilling to experience anything that might be even remotely vulnerable, um, and it becomes completely unhealthy. And that's what uh, I think feeds his uh, addiction to control.
0: That, and you know, well, to me, it looks like trying to possess women, you know, because when yes. Jessica fir- first encounters him, he has two women hanging off of him and dismisses them to. Like a girl with superpowers, and it's just like, I'm mean, just really vile uh, human behavior. Well, let's with this as the background. You know, let's get into the insanity defense because he orders people to do things that they wouldn't normally do. Whether it's Jessica, you know, punching Power uh, Man's you know wife, to, you know, to death to. Uh, others into, you know, doing horrific acts. So in New York, the insanity defense is uh, someone who does not understand the nature and consequences of their criminal conduct or understanding that such conduct was wrong. And so when people get a kill grave order, they feel they have to carry it out. You know, it's, it's this imperative, whether it's jumping off the roof, whether it's shooting someone, when it's cutting up somebody and putting them down a garbage disposal, it's uh, an uncontrollable desire to satisfy it. And, uh, you know, there are not cases with brainwashing generally fall under, like, the cult category. And, and those are strange to look at because in the 70s, you know, from the 70s to now, you know, there, there are different views on it. Now, how would you explain to a court uh, how somebody was legally insane if they had been Kilgraved?
1: That's a great question. Honestly, before I could even begin to fully answer it, I would love to um, get an MRI and a full workup of uh, uh, Kilgrave's physiology. I would love to know how his brain works. My understanding is he uses some kind of a virus uh, in order to provide this mind control in order to use this mind control so I would want to um, have the this virus analyzed to understand how it affects the brain and the physiology of other people um, just kind of from what we know so far just from watching the TV show it does seem like in the moment these people do fail to understand the nature and consequences of their um, actions and, and fail to understand the difference between right and wrong um, because they're under this influence that's really um, strict. It's kind of um, the only thing I can think of that might be even remotely similar is um, maybe being under an influence of a drug or maybe if someone was um, uh, given, uh, let's say, a roofie and they pass out, they might not remember what happened to them and they might be um, assaulted at that time and um, might not be responsible for their behavior at at that point possibly, um, of course, depending on the situation. Um, So, But I would really like to know how this virus works, how it affects other people, um, how it affects um, different brain structures, um, and, um, you know, maybe their moral decision-making, perhaps it affects people's frontal lobe, maybe it shuts it off and only activates their primal you know, limbic system. So I would really be interested to know how the virus works before I could fully provide that answer.
0: That uh, is an extremely thoughtful, uh, almost it depends, you know, like how does it work so you could, you know, actually prove it? Uh, Because that was was from the lawyer point of view that Jerry Hogarth was concerned about is, we need evidence, because no one believes this guy exists. And how do we demonstrate to a court, as a matter of law, that these individuals were affected by this? You know, well, of
1: course, when we see his mom stabbing herself to death, that, um, that's pretty, a pretty significant proof, uh, because most people would not do something like that just because they're ordered. Um, But still, I think uh, having some kind of physiological evidence would make for a stronger case.
0: Oh, totally. And, you know, he could do blood draws to show, uh, you know, like what the Kilgrave virus looked like, you know, how that pheromone uh, affected people and how long it stayed in their system and um, being able to show its breakdown, uh, you know, at, at that, you know, microscopic level uh, stuff like that would make a very interesting expert report to show that somebody was not in control yeah. and uh, which uh, that would be neat you know just from a, uh, a legal point of view being able to demonstrate it uh, because when you look at uh, one of the cases that I thought was the most on point was a writ of mandamus in the Sirhan Sirhan uh, case where he's trying to get out after you know, 40-some years for being in prison for killing Senator Kennedy and, you know, saying there was a post-hypnotic suggestion. And, like, you know, the court said no. I'm like, no, that, that, you know, that was the closest thing that would that would relate to the Kilgrave situation that we have. And so there would have to be some evidence, and, and that would be a, a great way to at least show it. Um, blood draws, you know, if we can get a blood draw from Kilgrave, uh... And then there's the issue of make sure it doesn't get weaponized because that could be horrible on other levels. So, yes. Yeah. Um, so, we don't want it to fall into the wrong hands. Uh, right. but, we, but we want to be able to show that those who were ordered to do unspeakable acts were legally yeah. insane at the time with those acts. So, I
1: would love to have someone in the MRI while they're being ordered by Kilograf and to show that change in their physiology, their neurology during the command.
0: That would be an interesting test to get because how do you keep others from being affected as well? So there's all kinds of, uh, yeah, there are many issues with this, but that's great physical and medical evidence to acquire. So so with that, uh, any other thoughts on Jessica Jones?
1: I think Jessica, although she uh, struggles from PTSD, um, both her and Trish, who underwent pretty severe uh, traumas in their lives, demonstrate pretty amazing um, post-traumatic growth. Um, Jessica is still working toward it. Um, Trish, it, I think, shows up even more so it, it's been longer for her, which certainly helps. Um, and so what post-traumatic growth is is a kind of a positive recovery that people go through after a traumatic experience. It's almost the opposite of PTSD. It's where um, someone discovers new meaning in their life after being subjected to trauma. So. Um, Jessica, initially unwillingly, but over time um, kind of coming to terms with it, uh, decides to basically making herself um, the protector. Uh, she, she wants to protect other people from Kilgrave and she wants to um, clear Hope's name. Um, and Trish similarly wants to help her friend and other people um, stand up to, to abusers. Uh, And what we're really seeing is superheroes in development, and what we're also seeing is post-traumatic growth. And that is something that has been shown consistently in research to be the number one predictor of recovery. Uh,
0: Fascinating. One of my favorite characters, because the arc that he has, is Malcolm, going from... Mm -hmm. You know, the drug addict, and when you think of what Kilgrave did to him and turning him into a heroin addict is just appalling uh, as a to continue control. To him wanting to be basically the social worker trying to help people recover and put their lives back together, and he's, you know, is tempted to just throw in the towel and leave and overcomes that and stays. And I thought that was a really neat arc. With all these individuals um, as they, uh, you know, went through their journey.
1: Yeah, and that's pivotal moment when he's going through withdrawal and he makes a choice. He makes a choice not to take it. So instead of taking the easy way out, he reconnects with his core values. He remembers that he wants to save people, and he becomes that.
0: Which is fantastic. So it is yeah. – I, I, I do think it's a very powerful series. Uh, it is. It is dark. You know. I mean, like, it is not. I would not watch it on Christmas Eve. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and I did feel exhausted when it was when I finished it, uh, just because it's uh, it's a beautiful detective story, internal monologue, all of those great things. And they did work in one of the oldest Marvel characters ever with you know Hellcat. I thought that was neat to do. But uh, it is, uh, it's a powerful story. Well, doctor, how can people follow you on Twitter and check out your blog and and learn more about your work?
1: So on Twitter, I am Shadow Quill, Quill like the feather. And my website is superhero-therapy.com. And that's also the best way to get in touch with me either through my website or through Twitter.
0: And what are some of the books that you have currently available?
1: So uh, the books that I've contributed chapters to are *Walking Dead* psychology and *Star Wars* psychology, and they're both available at Barnes & Noble or Amazon and many other bookstores as well. And then we have uh, a few more coming out next year.
0: And we'll we'll have to have you back to talk about that little phenomenon that recently opened uh, uh, called *Star Wars* and and take a look. Yeah, nothing to talk about Yeah, nothing to talk about there. So. <laughs> So with that, everyone, thank you for tuning in. And remember, stay geeky, stay geeky, America.